0: Many people have, from Sunday, clearer definition uh, of the blessing, of the blessing, amen. You're seeing, you're seeing slightly clearer now, you're seeing more now. I trust God that before the month runs out, your HD will be full HD, amen. You've seen full HD before, haven't you? You know, some HDs are not, uh, they are like HD, amen, or they are Chinese HD, <laughs> You know, the, the clarity is still suspect. Uh, but I, I trust God that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened in this month. And you will understand blessing indeed. It was Jabez who, the Bible says, even though he was more honorable than his brothers, prayed to God in uh, First Chronicles 4, 10, 9 and 10. Uh, prayed to God and said that thou mightest bless me indeed. So there's an indeed blessing. Hallelujah. There's an indeed blessing. Tell your neighbor there's an indeed blessing. And you will walk into it this month in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Very quickly, if you will, open in your Bibles Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 from around the um, the 8th verse. Genesis chapter 15 from around verse 8. Last Sunday, Pastor began to share with us um, on the covenant. Somebody say covenant. Covenant is the same word, agreement. It's the same word, contract. It's the same word, testament. That's why you see on the, um, on the invites that you have, explore the Abrahamic contract. Hallelujah covenant, all right? So we're talking high-definition blessings, and our premise uh, from Sunday was the covenant that God has with you and I, and that on the basis of that covenant, uh, we should walk into a realm of blessings that is beyond what we are doing now. And I trust God that in this month you will begin to experience such in your life in the name of Jesus. So we see uh, from Sunday that Israel was a nation that lived by and relied on covenant with God. Now these, uh, those who knew their God even in Israel in those days and the integrity of their covenant with him, they were mighty and they did exploits in his name. And Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 indeed says, And you know that scripture, many of you, that those that know their God shall be, talk to me. Those that know their God shall be, and do what? Good. So your strength and your exploits is functional or dependent on how much of God that you know. You will succeed to the extent to which you know your God. Do I have anyone in agreement? John chapter 8, the 32nd verse, it says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I will stretch that by saying you will know the truth and the truth that you know. Shall set you free. Not the one you're still thinking about, not the one you're yet to make your mind up about, not the one you're still walking in doubt concerning, not the truth that you read, but the truth that you know. It says, You will know the truth, and the truth that you know will set you free in an area. So, as far as your finances are concerned, you will know the truth, and the truth that you know shall set you free. As far as your health is concerned, you will know the truth, and the truth that you know will set you free. Can I have an amen? And so David was a prime example of someone who knew the truth concerning his covenant with God. If you see in, you don't have to open 1 Samuel chapter 13, from, sorry 17, from around verses 34 to 37, we see David reassuring the king that he was going to slay Goliath. And the question he's asking is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He said that, the, uh, sorry, he, that's what he said. Now, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now, I want you to see what David is uh, 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 predicating his, uh, his success on. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would dare to de- uh, defy the armies of God? He's not predicating it on his strength. He's not putting it on his know-how, on his military skill, on any of that. He's saying this guy is uncircumcised. I am circumcised so I can defeat him. That's covenant knowledge because covenant was what you would call it. uh, Sorry, circumcision was what you would call a token of the covenant. Hallelujah. Or a sign of the covenant. And he's saying, This guy is a Philistine. He's uncircumcised, and so I can defeat him. I know he's a giant. I know he has killed many. But on the basis of the fact that he's not circumcised and I am, I can defeat him. Hallelujah. And that is the mentality of. Of the uh, New Testament believer. That is the mentality of the man who is born again in Christ. Your, Your thought process should center around circumcision or covenant. Are they covenanted to God? Are they circumcised in a spiritual sense? Are they walking in the reality of the truth that God has set before us? If they are not, we shall defeat them. Tell your neighbor I will bring down Goliath. He said, I will bring down Goliath because he is not circumcised. That's my only reason. You know the reason why you will succeed this year? Because you have a covenant with God. How many people have a covenant with God here today? Those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Let me turn that around and say, Those who don't know their God shall be weak and be exploited. Am I correct? Those who don't know their God shall be weak and be exploited. Those who don't know their God shall be weak and shall be taken advantage of. Those who don't know their God shall be, ex- shall be weak and will miss out of the truth or miss out on the truth of the covenant. So we have a lot of weak believers, not because they are not in covenant with God, but because they don't know their God. They've heard of him before. In fact, they go to church. They have many translations of the Bible. But they don't know their God. Not your neighbor. Say, no, your God. Or you will be weak and exploited. (laughs) David was not ready to be weak or exploited. He got to the battlefield. And the first question is, is he circumcised or not? Is he in covenant with God or not? The minute he heard that he was not, victory declared. Victory declared. I'm going to bring him down. He's not circumcised. So circumcision was a sign of the covenant, and by calling Goliath uncircumcised, David was making this very pointed statement. He may be a giant, he may be strong, but he has no covenant with God, and that is why I can kill him. In the days of Abraham, the blood covenant signified an absolute and unbreakable guarantee of the word of a man. And I said, open in your Bibles to Genesis chapter." In those days, nothing short of a blood covenant uh, uh, could have convinced Abraham or Abraham of God's desire to bless him. And so by cutting covenant with him, God communicated to Abraham his unfailing love and commitment in a way that Abraham could understand. You understand what I'm saying? In those days when two people were going to come into covenant, they would cut covenant. They would come into that very serious and solemn agreement. And God is saying, Abraham, I want to prove to you that I will bless you and I will bless your seed and nations will be blessed through your seed. And so I want to cut covenant with you. Genesis 15, are we there? Are we there? Tell me, yes, are we there? All right, so God established it with Abraham and he promised to make him the father of many nations. Let's, let's see from verse 8. From verse 8. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? That's a big question. You see, because God had promised him all of this good stuff. Now it's interesting because God is saying to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your generations, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And Abraham doesn't even have a child. Amen. So don't blame Abraham for asking God, Lord, I need proof. Have you been there before? When what God is saying doesn't look like what you're seeing or what is around you. I'm going to bless you. Nations are going to come through you. This chap is getting old. And so he's asking God, how will I know that I will inherit it? And so let's see what God um, did in verse 9. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all all these to him and, and he cut them in two down to the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. I'm going to explain that later. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. They will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterwards, they will come out uh, with great possessions. I want us to skip um, to verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying... To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, and goes on and on. But you see, the, you, you get the drift here. God cuts covenant with uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter fifteen and verse from verses eight down. And I want to show you tonight because we are going to be taking communion, so we are going to be reenacting covenant, as it were. Jesus said that as often as you do this, First Corinthians chapter eleven, the twenty-fourth verse. Do it in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. There are some things we need to remember tonight that will help us make sense of communion. When you take the body and you take the blood, it is for a reason. It is so that you may know your God and you may know what He can do and what He will do in your life. Somebody say a big amen. Amen. All right. So in Abraham's society, when two families made covenant together, they gave to one another everything that they represented so they were no longer two effectively but they were one so families bound themselves together in blood agreements in order to fill in the gaps created by each other's weaknesses where the first tribe was strong and the second was weak, where the second was weak and the first tribe was strong. And together they both became what? Strong. You see in your Bible many times a nation would reach out to another nation for an alliance. They would say, let us come together. If we come together, we can fight all the enemies. If you hear that the enemies are afflicting me, you need to send your armies to save me. If you hear, I mean, I think it was Abraham who did the same for Lot. He sent his soldiers. He sent them to go rescue the guy, hallelujah, because the purpose of covenant was, that so, uh, was so that you and I can become stronger when we join our resources, so covenant made strategic sense, hallelujah. Covenant made very serious sense in those days. And that is why God chose to cut covenant with Abraham because he could identify with it. So these two families would draw up terms of their agreements and they would spend time discussing these terms. Hallelujah. You, you, you see, it's, if there's anyone in, uh, is there any lawyer here or any practicing or anyone in law school? Can I see your hands? Nobody. Law school. Okay, any lawyer here? God bless you. Amen. You, so, you, so you understand a bit of what I'm saying. They would go through every detail of this covenant. They would read the, you know the small print. They would check everything out. And when they came to mutual agreement, then they would begin the process of covenant. And I want to go through that. This evening, because it will make sense as you take communion. Now, as they prepared for this ceremony, at least three large animals were sacrificed. You see animals there when God was asking him to bring turtle doves and all of that. And it says, Three large animals were sacrificed, at least. Their carcasses were split down the spine. If you read the scripture I just read, uh, Abraham cut them down the middle and spread them. And the halves were placed on the ground opposite each other. The result was a trail of blood. Amen? So they would take these animals, they would split them down the middle, and then they would put them side by side. And then you had a trail of blood. That trail of blood was called the way of blood. So I want to tell you the first thing that happens when covenant is being cut between two families. Number one, there is an exchange of coats. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is an exchange of coats. So every, so each of those families with... You see, coats uh, uh, in those days is, is what many of us would call a, a, a coat of arms today or a crest, hallelujah. Something that uh, if represented the family. Every family had uh, its own type of coat, hallelujah. Uh, 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 it was Joseph whose father gave him a coat of many colors. Remember that. He effectively conferred honor to him. He was, uh, in a sense, saying in the face of all his senior brothers, that you are my favorite. You get that? Good. So what, uh, what the two families would then do is when they come together to cut covenant, they would exchange quotes. The exchange of quotes uh, signified a mutual exchange of authority. So when quotes were exchanged, what both families were saying is that all that i do and all that i have is now yours so pastor explained to us on sunday he was using an example of a coat which really was what actually happened how many people were here on sunday good so he said when i take this brother's coat if i give it to someone else i don't have anything to worry about why because his coat is what my coat if I take his goods and I don't return them, there's nothing to worry about. Why? Because his goods are my goods. When we exchange coats, when we begin to cut covenant, we are not two, we are one. So the first thing they did was to exchange authority. And we see that even in the New Testament in Matthew, in Mark chapter 16 and the 17th verse. As a believer, you need to understand what exchange means in the Bible. Exchange is powerful. The reason why you stand here today is because Jesus took some things in your stead. It's because Jesus exchanged many things with you in Mark chapter 16 and the 17th verse. It says, This sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover why because now i have the authority of jesus you understand that he has taken his coat and given to me and i have taken my coat all of our righteousness are before is before god as filthy rags. so i've taken my filthy rag coat hallelujah which he didn't need and i'll explain all that we will understand grace by god's grace tonight Amen. So so we we take God's coat, and when we take God's coat, we can do all these things in his name. Is somebody getting this? Talk to me. Is somebody getting this? You see other things, other 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 signs of exchange in scripture, second Corinthians chapter 8, and the ninth verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Hallelujah. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, does somebody see exchange there? Talk to me, Delivation Church. Does somebody see exchange there? So, as a born again believer, as a child of God, should you be poor? As a child of God, should you be jobless? Listen, he took the joblessness that you might have a job. He took the poverty that you might um, um, be rich. In fact, someone said he didn't marry that I might get married. You know, Jesus didn't get married. See, everything that he didn't do, you have access to. Everything, everything, everything. We see another one in 1 Peter 2.24, who by his own self bear upon his body, uh, bear our sins upon his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should be alive unto righteousness by whose stripes you were what? Alright, so sickness is no more your portion. Why? Because those stripes were laid on his back. There's a significance to the stripes that he received. It says by those stripes you were healed. Not will be healed, not may be healed. I was saying on Saturday at the membership class, I was talking about the vitality and the legality of redemption. You are redeemed. You are bought back by the precious blood of Jesus but there is a vitality to it. Legally you are born again. Legally you have access to all the things that God has given us. But but many believers are like the man uh, who died and left a will for his son and that son forgot to read the will and so every morning he would wake up and go to the bus stop to catch a bus and get to work late because he forgot to read the will and in the will the father said that there is a BMW in the garage if you will open it the keys are there you can drive it to work you know have a nice time also i have some money in my bank account you can have access to it but he wouldn't read the will and so he didn't have, have access to that car even though that car was in the will for him did that make sense so as much as there's the legality of redemption The vitality of redemption dictates that a man will take up God's word and stand upon the truth of God's word. So as long as he didn't pick up the key and open the door and get in the car, he had a car but he wasn't riding it. A lot of us have been healed by his stripes but are still falling sick. He has taken upon himself our poverty, and giving up to us his riches, but we're still poor. Galatians 3, 14, uh, 13 to 14. I, I, I love that uh, passage of scripture. Galatians 3, 13 verses... Uh, uh, Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, and that you and I might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Christ, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law because he has been made a curse for us. Should a New Testament believer be cursed? Talk to me. Should a New Testament believer be cursed? So how come some people are walking around convinced? Pastor, there's a curse working. you know. It's wrong. We've been redeemed. To redeem means to buy back. We've been redeemed. Tell your neighbor I've been redeemed. So when quotes were exchanged, authority was exchanged. Number two, there's an exchange of weapons. There's an exchange of weapons. This is what many would call the token of the covenant. So every family would also bring their, their, their shield. Amen. In those days, families had swords and shields. So every family would also bring their shield or whatever it was that represented them at war. They would bring their shields uh, uh, in covenant and they would exchange. So I would give you my shield and I would take your shield. Meaning this, it, me- it meant that my strength is now your strength. Hallelujah. My strength is now your strength. Your enemies are now my enemies. I thought someone would get excited. Your enemies are now my enemies. Galatians, sorry, Genesis 12, the third verse. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. What is God's business with who blesses me or who curses me? We've exchanged weapons. When we cut covenant, his enemies became mine, my enemies became his. And so he can say, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse him that curses thee. This is why you cannot afford to fight carnal warfare. Second Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, they are mighty through who? Are they mighty through you? Are they mighty through your anger? Are they mighty through how bad you feel? You spent too much time chasing that person. That person is not the problem. There's a spirit working in that person you need to deal with. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You will not win by that war by writing your 10th petition. Get on your knees and pull that structure down in the spirit. You will not win that fight by reporting that person to the third person. You will not win that war by throwing out all the venom in you. No, ah, when I see him today, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. That's all you can give him. You are fighting classic carnal warfare and the devil is enjoying it. He's going to frustrate and frustrate and frustrate until you understand that this is not working. They're not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not carnal. If you're planning to get home tonight and shoot the devil, it's not going to work. If you're planning to get home tonight and kill the devil, it's not going to work. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. To, uh, 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 to the, what is that? They are mighty through God, casting down, is it? T- to the pulling down of strongholds. Does it then say we should cast down imaginations? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every disobedience. Bring it into, the, into obedience of Christ. There's something messing that person up mentally. That's what you need to talk to. Talk to the strongholds. Talk to the mental structures. It's not that woman in your village. There's a spirit behind it. When you entered into covenant with God, you exchanged weapons. And so every weapon God can use is at your disposal. Number three, there was the walk of blood. The walk of blood. Remember I said that when those animals were split, it would leave a trail. Hallelujah. It would leave a trail and that trail became the way of blood. And so what would happen after the coats and the weapons were exchanged? I want you to paint a picture in your mind as I speak tonight because it's going to help you. What happened after uh, uh, the coats and the weapons were exchanged is that both or representatives from both families would now walk Along this trail of blood. Hallelujah. So imagine there's someone at that end and there's someone at this end. And we will walk along the trail of blood at least twice. And then we would meet in the middle. Excuse me. And then when we meet in the middle, each person would then begin to declare penalties for breaking the covenant. Each person would then begin to declare promises for honoring the covenant. Those promises are called the blessing of the covenant. Those penalties were called the curses of the covenant. If you read your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 28, the whole of Deuteronomy chapter 28 is split into two. The curses of the covenant and the blessings of the covenant. The curses of the covenant and the blessings of the covenant. If you will do this, this will happen. If you will do this, this blessing will take place. So they pronounced their pledges of loyalty and they made promises to each other that could never be broken. The pronouncement was called the blessing of the covenant. A curse was also pronounced and the curse was the penalty for breaking the terms of the agreement. They would swear by their gods, therefore making him third party To the covenant. Number four. Am I on number four? Am I on number four? The cut of the covenant. The cut of the covenant. The representatives would then cut their wrists. Pastor mentioned this on Sunday. They would then cut their wrists and bind their wrists together. Signifying that they were now one. Why? Because their blood or the blood of each person has mixed with the blood of the other. The Bible says that in, I think that's the book of Deuteronomy, that uh, the life of the, sorry, the, talk to me, what is that? Yeah, the life of anything. Amen. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. Blood is real life. So when they bound their wrists together, What happened? Their lives became how many? So they would bind their wrists together and their blood would intermingle. Number five, joining of names. Joining of names. Now, after their loyalty has been sworn to each other, the families joined their names together as a permanent sign that they had become one. Marriage is a classic example. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Marriage is a classic example. So when you get married to her, you become one and she adopts your surname. I wrote here, your surname is effectively Jesus. Hallelujah. Help me introduce yourself to your neighbor with your first name and your surname Jesus. (laughs) It sounds odd, doesn't it? Look at you all laughing. (laughs) get to work tomorrow, tell your boss, my name is Tunde Jesus. (laughs) They'll call the psychiatrist. (laughs) I think something. (laughs) Hallelujah. But in the spirit, that is your surname. Hallelujah. In the spirit, you are Tunde Jesus the Christ. You know what happened in Acts chapter 19? Let, let Let me explain something to you. Without Jesus, you are unrecognizable in the spirit. In Acts chapter 19, some guys, they're called the sons of Siva. The Bible calls them vagabond Jews. They were just bad boys. Hallelujah. They had apparently seen, they were exorcists. You know, they had seen Paul at some point casting out demons. So they said, we must try this thing out. So they went up to a man who was possessed by demons. And they said, we adjure you, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So... Those demons check their database. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You you, you cannot. There are no extensions to the name of Jesus. You either come into the spirit in the name of Jesus or you stay out. They didn't know their God. But they knew that Paul knew his God. So we adjure you to come out. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And Jesus had a match. You've seen when they're searching for DNA, you've watched CSI before. Amen. So they're checking their database and they say, Jesus, it matches. Paul, it matches. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> those demons said I know Jesus I know Paul who are you the guy beat those see one guy beat seven men black and blue the bible says they ch- he chased them and stripped them naked when you come into the spirit outside of the name of Jesus, you will be stripped naked and chased. So introduce yourself again with your real name. (laughs) You cannot afford to navigate the spirit in your own strength. You cannot afford to navigate the spirit in your own know-how. It has to be by the name of Jesus. He said in that scripture, I read Mark sixteen seventeen. in my name. Don't wake up tomorrow and say, yes, I've read it now. I have a new revelation. I can cast out devils in my own name. After all, I'm also a son of God. After all, I'm also a joint here. And I'm going to explain that. Why? Because Abraham, when cutting covenant with God, fell asleep. I will explain that. So they joined their names. And by that joining of names, you can go into the spirit realm, you can cast down, you can pull down, you can bind things on earth and those things are bound in heaven. Why? Because your surname is dealing with what you're dealing with here on earth. That was number what? Number six, they took the covenant meal. They took the covenant meal. And that's what we're going to do here tonight. How I would that someone, as you take communion tonight, would understand exactly what is going on. They would eat a covenant meal of bread and wine together. The bread signified their flesh and the wine signified their blood. The covenant meal represented their willingness and commitment to lay down their lives for each other. By this covenant, Abraham became assured and convinced of God's promises. That's why I said to you that God caught covenant with Abraham because he had to reassure him in a way that he could relate with. Now in Romans chapter 4, the 20th to the 21st verses I will read, it says he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. The purpose of covenant between God and man was that God was trying to fully persuade him. This is someone who God has promised everything, yet does not have a son. And he says, God, how do I know that this stuff is going to happen? So God cuts covenant with him. And when God has cut covenant with him, he doesn't stagger in his faith. He's fully persuaded. I don't think you understand how strong Abraham's faith was after this. God gave Abraham Isaac and he said to Abraham one day, he said, I want you to sacrifice to me your son, your one and only son, the one whom you love. You know Abraham didn't panic. God has promised you all this beautiful stuff. Now he gives you this son who is going to bring all this beautiful stuff. And God wakes up one morning and says, Abraham, I want that son. Abraham says, no problem. (laughs) So Abraham takes the son and he goes to the place of sacrifice. And he says to his servants, I want you to stay here. Check this out. He says, me and the lad, we will go to worship God and we will come back to you. Has anyone seen that? We will go to worship God and we will come back to you. Learn this sacrifice is an act of worship. God never really takes anything away from us. Abraham said, God has caught covenant with me. God promised me Isaac. Now he wants me to sacrifice Isaac. So I understand what God wants to do. After I sacrifice Isaac, he's going to raise Isaac from the dead and I'm going to come back with Isaac because God promised that through this Isaac will the nations be blessed. Is somebody getting it? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should change his mind. I don't care what he's asking you for. He's not taking it. He's giving it. The Bible says, when he was about to cut Isaac, God said, stop, now I see in your heart. All God was checking was the state of his heart. Listen, Abraham had sacrificed Isaac in his heart, but the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he had also received him from the dead in his heart. He said he had received him from the dead in a figure. God, you want him, you will raise (laughs) him. You will raise him. We are in covenant. We are in covenant. That's why I say in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. You see, the word shall is the strongest word in English in the affirmative. But the truth is, when Mark 11 says in 23, 24, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what things soever he saith shall come to pass, he shall have what, what things soever he saith. The real meaning should say, He shall have whatsoever he saith, and if it does not exist, God will make it. Why? Because that's what God is trying to say. But shall is the strongest word. That's why the constitution of your country, any country that is serious, uses shall. I mean, no comments. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You, you all got that, didn't you? It will come to pass. <laughs> Hallelujah. So they took the covenant meal. And Abraham is so persuaded that he tells these guys, me and the lads, we will come to worship him. Uh, we, will, we will go worship him and we will come back. In Hebrews chapter 11, the 17th to the 19th verse, the Bible says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises Offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he received him also in a figure. So Abraham, God talks to Abraham, and Abraham says, God, hmm, you want Isaac, you want me to kill him. Ah, okay, but you raise him up, right? Okay, then we'll go. That's what happened. That's what happened. God spoke to him. He wasn't rolling on the floor and asking a million questions. So when Abraham laid down his son on the altar of sacrifice, he opened the way for God, his covenant partner, to do the same with his only son, Jesus, on the cross later. In fact, Isaac asked his father, Father, I see the instruments for the fire. I see the wood for the fire. Where is the lamb for sacrifice? He said, don't worry, son. God will provide himself a lamb. Now, that was saying two things. God will take care of the lamb, but God will be the lamb. So Jesus is called the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, I ask God a question. God, why did you bother to cut covenant with Abraham since he was doomed to fail anyway? Does it make sense to anyone that this sovereign God... (laughs) I told you covenant is about you have a strength and I have a strength. And we need to align our forces so we can be stronger. In God's case, does it make sense? Why would God cut covenant with Abraham? Over what? Who would Abraham help God to fight? What would Abraham give God that God needed? And so I went back to that scripture. You see, because man is not sufficient, man is not strong enough, man is not capable enough, man is not wealthy enough, man doesn't have a strong enough army to cut covenant with God. In fact, scripture says uh, uh, that man had sinned from the beginning. Every man in Adam had sinned. So this man had fallen already before the covenant was even caught. Why would God call a man knowing that he would fail already and say, if you do these things, this is going to happen. If you don't do these things, these curses are going to happen. Uh, uh, Scripture says, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, I believe, it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God who has made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life." So that tells you already that there's there's just no big deal about us that would force God or make God to cut covenant with you and I. So I want us to go back to that scripture in Genesis, Genesis chapter 15. I want to tie two things together, Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. Sorry, I'll do from verse 12. Oh God, I feel your spirit here this evening. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, and God begins to pronounce these things. That's why I said, I want you to paint a picture tonight. So guys, I want you to see what's going on. God is cutting covenant with Abraham because you see later, he says in verse 17, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that between the pieces. So in verse 17, God effectively walks through the way of blood to signify the beginning of a covenant. Now you will notice something that in Genesis 15 that I just read, there is no place where Abraham stands in the way of blood or passes through the way of blood and says, now you've said your own, I want to say my own. If you disobey these commandments, I will do this unto you. If you obey these commandments, can anybody show me Abraham saying that? No. No. The Bible says God is cutting covenant with Abraham. And God is pronouncing promises and curses, and Abraham is snoring. <laughs> Paint that picture. We're cutting covenant. God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Abraham is saying, Abraham. Go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. I said, I'm going to tie two things up. Oh, this is beautiful. Galatians 3.16, are we there? Galatians 3.16, are we there? I want us to read it corporately. Let's read it one to go. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Hmm. Paul is saying in Galatians 16, that when God in Genesis 15 was pronounces, pronouncing promises upon Abraham, He was pronouncing those same promises upon Jesus. I want you to listen. So what happened effectively is because is that God had to cause someone to stand proxy for Abraham because Abraham in his own strength. Could not be part of a covenant with God. So God is cutting covenant with Abraham on earth. Abraham is snoring on earth. Jesus is in heaven receiving those same promises. So that even when we fail. As long as he does not fail. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Abraham, go to bed. God is saying to someone here tonight, there's some stuff that is keeping you up awake. It's been taken care of already in the covenant. Go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. God will do it. God will bring it to pass. Because your worry is not going to change the situation one way or the other. Your fretting is not going to change the situation one way or the other. And God knew that from the beginning of time. And so when he was going to cut covenant with Abraham, he said, Jesus, I want you to stand attention in heaven. Because as I pronounce promises and blessings upon this man, I'm pronouncing them upon you. That in Christ Jesus, not in Abraham. That's why you cannot go into the spirit in the name of Abraham. So that in Christ Jesus, every man who believes can be a part of this covenant. So God effectively cut covenant with Abraham in Jesus, thus making sure that he was cutting covenant with someone who could not fail. Thereby removing the effects of a curse. Hold on, hold on. Does somebody get this? Does somebody understand grace? Does somebody understand that by grace are we saved through faith? Yes, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You are not going to work hard enough. To merit righteousness. God said, I'm going to cut covenant with you. Listen, you can call it cheating. It was unfair in a sense. (laughs) But God said, Abraham, you've given your lamb. I'm going to give my lamb too. And so when it was time to save man, he sent Jesus to take upon himself the form of a man. You see, because the penalty for sin, the penalty for our failure to fulfill the covenant was death. And so God in making covenant with man had already prepackaged Jesus to come and die as a payment for that penalty. That is why Christ has redeemed us from the curse of of, of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is every one that hangs on the tree." He could not have died from gunshots. He could not have died when he was being caned. He had to die on a tree, because that death was reserved for the worst of the worst. That death was reserved for the cursed of the society, and spiritually, you and I were the cursed of the society. And so Jesus came to stand in our stead. Beloved, as you take the communion tonight, I want you to remember that nothing is impossible. Because you are not doing it in your own strength. You are doing it in God. I want you to rise to your feet. Begin to pray in the spirit if you can. Oh, my God, there's such a heavy presence here. I want you to lay that situation before God right now. God is saying it's none of your business. How dare you worry about it? How dare you fret about it? I took care of it from the beginning. You are blessed high definition. It is not hazy. It is not flurry. flurry. There is nothing unclear about it. When I said I would bless you, I meant I would bless you. When I said you would get the job, I meant it. When I said your son will be healed. I'm talking to a lady here tonight. I meant it. Somebody talk to God tonight. Talk to God tonight somebody. You have committed the sin of worrying. Ask him to forgive you. Now you are casting all your cares upon him. Because you know that he cares for you. You are in covenant with God, not with man. Man can disappoint, but God will not. Kamosha. Likoboko sakendalakatusande labakata. Reboboko shonde lalakasakeleleboko shata. Yibobobokondo roboboboko shakata yalakando bobo shata. Mabo Sokoto, as you take communion tonight, you are healed from the crown of your head to the very soles of your feet. As you partake of his body and his blood, you have clarity about your blessings. You understand the power to get wealth. You can see your dreams coming to pass. Kamo shata. God was not relying on you anyway. That's why he gave you grace. The eyes of someone's understanding have been enlightened. One like you. Tell him you understand the deal now. You understand the deal now. You are fully persuaded. Like Abraham was fully persuaded. That what God has promised he is able to do. Somebody I need you to talk to God. I need you to talk to God. I need you to talk to God, Father. As I take your communion tonight, I receive healing in my body. I receive healing in my emotions. I walk in blessings of a higher definition. As I partake of your body and I partake of your blood, I understand that I am a covenant man. I am not an ordinary man. Lebo shokoto devil I adjure you in the name of Jesus come out of that situation come out of that circumstance come out of that body because I know him and I can do exploits I'm a covenant man I understand my blessings better tonight Yebosha I adjure you in the name of Jesus. Come out of my finances. Yebobo Kondobo Kosha Kata, Lebobo Kotorabakateke, Yeboso, Yebosha Koto, Lebokolo Bonko Sata, Yebobo Bon Shalamakande, Rabababababosha, Lembobo Socomborobo Kosha, Ye Mambokoto. Yebo bosso Yebo bo 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 Oh marabasa kata Le bosondo bosha Yebo ya kondese la Yebo Ya pa le I want you to lift your hands to God this evening. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, this is the cup in the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Lord Jesus tonight I dedicate to you every hand that is lifted up every life that is under the authority of this voice at this time We decree, O God, that they are blessed beyond a curse in the name of Jesus. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, you are blessed beyond a curse in the name of Jesus. Every curse of the devil that may be hanging over your life, we destroy them in the name of Jesus. Christ died on a tree in your behalf. It is no more your portion in the name of Jesus. You do not walk under the law, but you walk under grace in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak to every sick body here tonight. Receive the life of God in the name of Jesus. I speak to every sick finance here tonight. Receive the life of God in the name of Jesus. I speak to every unemployment here tonight. Receive the life of God in the name of Jesus. I speak to every lack here tonight. Receive the life of God in the name of Jesus. I speak to every confusion here tonight. Receive divine clarity in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, we give you praise. We believe, Lord, that it is done here tonight. We are covenant men. We have your authority. We have your name. We do not walk in our name. We walk in the name of Jesus. Kambosha. Somebody say it is done. Somebody say it is finished. Death in your life is finished. Poverty in your life is finished. Lack in your life is finished. Confusion in your life is finished. Not enough in your life is finished. Sickness in your life is finished. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As you receive communion tonight, I want you to just speak a word to God.